0: Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, Mental Health Social Worker and Mindfulness Educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset and mental health. Did you know I recently started a new podcast, Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids. It's helping so many kids to find their calm and to relax. It's free and it's available via Spotify. Welcome to Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids. My name is Marianne Eve. I'm a mental health social worker and I have a special interest in mindfulness. I run a multi-award nominated kids mindfulness group program where I teach children how to self-soothe and self-manage stress via mindfulness education and meditation practice. This podcast is especially for kids, for kids who may be stressed, anxious, highly emotional or kids who are overthinkers or have trouble sleeping. Each episode will be a single, recorded, downloadable meditation for children aged 5 to 13 years. There will be meditations for sleep and meditations for relaxation. The aim of my podcast is to give children a free, easy to use, therapeutic tool to assist them to relax and to find their calm. The Mindful Life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded. We recognise their continuing connection to land, water, and community and pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, and thanks for joining me for episode number 46 of the Mindful Life podcast. I just wanted to begin by saying a big thank you to my listeners. My podcast recently hit 5,300 downloads, which is a very exciting milestone. Please keep sharing and listening. I'm averaging around 110 to 120 listens per episode, which is so satisfying and makes me so happy. I love that every time I publish an episode, over 100 people are taking advantage of this free support and education. The Mindful Life podcast is available for download on 10 podcast platforms worldwide. And you may not know that I also have another podcast which is specifically for kids. Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids, is jam-packed full of calming meditations for kids, direct from my multi-award nominated Kids Mindfulness Program. It's the perfect tool for kids to access during this difficult time. And the numbers here have skyrocketed which is also very exciting. To date I've published 17 episodes in two months and I've just hit 3,200 downloads which are some crazy numbers. One mum who I was speaking to yesterday joked that she thinks her son is responsible for 3,000 of those listens. I love that my meditations are helping so many kids. So Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids, is available only on Spotify and it's free as well. And just to add, I make absolutely no income from either of my podcasts. I podcast because I love it. I love sharing what I know and what I'm passionate about. And I keep saying that it's a dream that I turned into a reality. So please keep listening to both my podcasts and please keep sharing. So on to today's episode. In this episode, I thought I would talk a little more about the current coronavirus pandemic situation. So I do know it's been done to death and I think most of us have reached saturation point. It's everywhere. So I honestly think this will be my last episode on the virus. I will continue with my Mindful Monday meditation episode series but I feel three episodes specifically on the COVID-19 pandemic is enough. But I thought it may be helpful to talk today specifically about fear and the role fear can play in how we respond to and cope with difficult situations like the coronavirus pandemic. So fear can be contagious and fear breeds fear. We've seen this clearly over the last few months worldwide. Fear and whether we are driven by fear can be a massive determinant in how we operate in any given situation. It's interesting I think we can learn a lot about ourselves and how we operate under stress if we can take a step back and look at our mindset and our behaviours during all of this. And I probably should add here just to put things in perspective, I do live in Australia so I will be talking to the Australian experience. The details and stats I provide relate to Australia and are current as of today, Friday the 8th of May 2020. So firstly, let's talk generally about fear and fear is a really interesting thing. Fear is important and sometimes we do need to be fearful. Fear is vital for our survival. And I recorded a podcast episode a few months back on anxiety and I talk in detail in that episode about real fear versus imagined fear. That was episode 40, which was recorded back uh, around mid-February. So that was pretty much prior to the pandemic hitting here in Australia. So feel free to head back over and have a listen to that one. So let's just touch briefly on that notion again. Real fear, and I use the example in that podcast episode of being confronted by a gunman, a real life scenario. That's a real fear in that scenario. We need to react to that real scenario to ensure our survival. So I talked about fight or flight and how our body is pumped full of chemicals and hormones to prepare us to survive this real threat, the gunman. I then talked about the notion of imagined fear, the thought, just the thought of a gunman And the idea that even if we think about this threat or we imagine that it may happen to us, our body still responds to this imagined fear by flooding our system with the same hormones and the same chemicals to help us fight the imagined threat, even though we aren't really under threat. So I think this is really interesting stuff and I think helpful to know and understand the role that fear plays in how we behave And how we react and cope under particular conditions. Basically the bottom line is if you think you are in danger, even if you're not in danger, your body will still react the same way as if you are facing a real threat. Your system will get you ready to fight the threat, real or imagined, so quite simply the mind and specifically the thinking mind creates a fear response in our system even when we are not in danger. So how does all this relate to the current coronavirus pandemic situation? I think many of you already know the answer to that. As I've stated a number of times in past episodes during the last month or so, we as a society, we as a country, and in fact, the entire world are all part of a collective consciousness, a global consciousness. And the reality is that that current global consciousness is one of fear. The current collective consciousness is fear-based. It's hard not to be fearful. We are being encouraged to be fearful. If you turn on the TV or the radio, all you see and hear about is coronavirus. It's all over our social medias. When we chat with family or friends, it's a common conversation topic. So it's basically everywhere and this massive saturation feeds the collective fear and adds fuel to our own personal fear. Clearly watching media reports of other countries has created a lot of fear for many in this country and indeed the world. I had family members and clients, even a nurse friend who were all to some degree driven by fear, constantly telling me early on that we here in Australia were two weeks behind Italy. And to be honest, I never believed that we would get as bad as Italy. I remained rational. So the moral to the story somewhat is stay away from sensationalized media. Of course, the news from New York and Italy is tragic, and the experiences of the UK are really tragic. The numbers we see from other countries are horrific. From the beginning, very quickly, people began to die, and we would see this in the media. This began to feed the fear, and the fear worldwide rose. And the fear here in Australia rose. We worried would this be us before long. But the reality is here in Australia our experience has been very very different and our current experience is very very different to anywhere in the world apart from New Zealand. I think New Zealand is sort of similar to us. If anything um, you know their infection rates and their death rate is lower than ours. But our infection rates here in this country remain low. Our death rate is low and our community transmission rates are very low. And what we know is that most people who get the virus in this country have very mild symptoms. So we simply cannot compare ourselves to other countries. I keep saying to my clients, it's like comparing apples and oranges. So when we are fearful, our ability to think for ourselves can become impacted, We can conform and we can stop trusting ourselves and trusting our own instincts and in many ways this is what began to happen in this country. Many people became victims of the fear. Many also felt like they had lost control and this is where the panic buying came in, this mass buying of toilet paper. Uh, This helped soothe the fear. People began to feel more in control. Uh, and the panic buying soothing soothed their fear and their anxiety it was amazing to watch our state and most of our country just shut down businesses shut down schools shut down we did not have a choice it was enforced and we were warned of large fines so in some ways we were like sheep we became compliant we were told to stay home and yes we complied but all of this was fuel for the fear we were already fearful um, by what we were seeing in the media and then we were told to shut down which fueled our fear. Um, so the fear people were feeling thrived on this. People began to see and to think it must be serious if the government is wanting to lock the country down, it must be serious if the world is shutting down. So of course we followed the rules And you know, this idea of self-isolating, was it the appropriate thing to do? In this country, because remember I am talking here about the Australian experience, I believe the short answer is yes. I feel that shutting down for a period of time was needed. We shut down to protect the elderly and the vulnerable. Um, But whether we should or shouldn't, it really is irrelevant here because it is what it is. We, We had to shut down, we were forced to shut down, and as a country, we did it. My family and I are up to day 48 of self-isolation. However, I'm really fortunate that um, I've been able to continue working, even though my work has changed quite a bit, most of it's online, and every member of my household is also still working. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am that we are all still working. It's really helped to keep us as a family sane. Um, It's also helped to keep our minds busy and focused on other things beside the virus. So as I said earlier, the shutdown and the ongoing shutdown, coupled with the propaganda that the media feeds us, maintains this fear. The media, even here in Australia, has worked hard to convince us that we are all at risk. And what we have seen here is that we really are not. Uh, As of today, we have had less than 100 deaths to date, and they have all, um, without with a couple of exceptions, all of these deaths have been uh, elderly people. I think uh, the two that were aged in their 60s, these particular people had serious health conditions. We have very few people in hospital and many who actually get the virus, as I've said earlier, have very mild symptoms. We need to actually put some of these things into perspective. We need to put the situation into perspective. And let's do that by looking at some other stats. So here in this country in 2017, there were 1,255 deaths from influenza. In 2016, there were 464 deaths from influenza. And as with coronavirus in this country, the vast majority of these influenza deaths over those two years were the elderly, people over 75. To date in this country we have had 97 deaths from the coronavirus. We need to put this into perspective. Clearly in this country every year hundreds of people uh, and in 2017 it was over a thousand people die from influenza. But do we go into panic every winter as influenza season hits? Are we paralyzed by fear? Do we lock ourselves down? No. So back to the idea of real fear versus imagined fear. Do we need to be fearful here in this country of getting the virus? The short answer is no. Of course there are variables to this. If you are someone at risk, uh, someone who has a chronic health condition um, or someone who um, is elderly and you do get the virus, then of course Um, you know, that places you in a high-risk category. So then perhaps your fear is warranted, but perspective is still vital even for this group of people. So maybe here it would be helpful to look at what people are actually fearing when it comes to this invisible illness, because it really is invisible. Um, I don't know anyone who's had it, and I don't know um, anyone who knows anyone who's had it. And I would ask you, you, do you know someone who's had it? I guess in other countries it's probably very different, Uh, people in other countries possibly do know people who've had it. So let me talk here about the groups of people that I work with. It's been really interesting to see some of the responses and reactions of my clients, some expected and some pretty unexpected. So I do have clients that are massively and almost irrationally fearful that they, their partner, and their children and extended family will catch the virus and some of these uh, particular clients are taking extreme measures uh, even now um, as transmission rates are dropping. The majority of these clients are extremely low risk and are unlikely to contract the virus, however they are not easily convinced of this. I'm hearing stories of glove and mask wearing, usually ineffectively I'll add, this group is washing down uh, foodstuff and packaged groceries that have been home delivered because they refuse to leave the house. They are isolating themselves inside and they're extremely tormented by their own thoughts and catastrophizing fears and worries about themselves and their loved ones dying, uh, possibly from some sort of complication when they get the coronavirus or an underlying health issue that they never knew they had So lots of catastrophizing um, about things that may never happen um, or may never come to fruition. I have one client just by way of example who refuses to be intimate with their partner for fear of virus transmission because their partner is working out in the community and neither of them have the virus and the partner actually works in a low risk job. Uh, So sadly, they're also modelling these fear-driven behaviours to their children. And that's something I really want to point out. Our kids are watching. Our kids are watching how we manage our fear in this situation. So it's all very irrational, particularly when you say it out loud, like I have just done. So this group is terrified of restrictions being lifted as it means exposure to the virus. So as you can see, this particular client group, they're very fearful and they're very anxious. Then there's others, um, particularly those with social anxiety, who are loving being isolated at home. They're not so worried about the contracting the virus. Possibly in the beginning they were uh, concerned about it, but as transmission rates and the stats um, sort of stayed low or dropped, Um, They become a bit more rational about it, and they were also comforted by the fact that they were in lockdown, so they felt quite safe. So they're loving not having to face the world. They're actually thriving, and some could not be happier. These people are now anxious about the possible impending lifting of some restrictions, which are likely to be happening uh, next week here in Victoria, as we've done so well in the state flattening the curve. So this group are either just generally anxious about going back to the real world, sort of leaving their bubble, or they may be anxious about possible exposure to the virus as they enter the world again. Um, I also have a couple of elderly clients and I admit this work with these clients has been pretty challenging and pretty heartbreaking to be honest. Um, These two clients both have health issues and as I've said they're quite elderly and they're fearful that they will get the virus and that they will die. So this is a hard one as these clients are in a high risk group even though they're self-isolating Um, which keeps them safe um, to a large degree. If they were to contract the virus, um, they're in a high-risk group of um, mortality. So this client group is so very isolated and lonely. And um, the most difficult thing is to a degree their fear is real and it's warranted. So as we know, the elderly are at a higher risk of harm if they can track the virus, and more so for these clients um, as they have health issues. One of these clients told me that they feel like they're sitting in death 's waiting room, so it's, that, that's a challenging one um, and you know I work hard to support those clients and um, try and alleviate some of those fears, but it is challenging. So in working with all of these clients, I help them to gain perspective. Um, I call it like it is. I challenge and I rationalize their fears with them. I remind them of the stats that we are safe here in Australia and I remind them of the power of their thoughts and of their fears and that how fear breeds fear. I talk to them about the role of the media and how fear encourages us to catastrophize. So you know, it, it is um, challenging work. Um, I get a lot of opposition from <laughs> some of these clients. They fight back um, and, you know, they believe their fears are real. But um, yeah, it's just about continuing to support and just pushing, pushing gently with these clients. And then there are the clients whose fears and anxieties are far removed from the virus. They may be fearing for their future or fearing for next week and it's not even about the virus you know they may have lost income or worse their job. so they're fearing um, you know how they're gonna pay their rent how they're gonna put a meal on the table they may be fearing that homeschooling is never going to end so I have quite a few clients who are finding um, the challenges of homeschooling very stressful and this is something that is creating a lot of anxiety for them also, sadly, I have clients who are fearing for their safety, are uh, being locked in a house with a violent partner. So I believe uh, that many of these are valid stresses and valid anxieties. And that's not to say people fearing catching the virus, that these aren't valid fears. But you know, this ongoing fear of catching the virus here in this country, um, with the way things currently are, is largely an irrational uh, fear. And largely, these people are having catastrophizing thoughts and worries about a fear that will never eventuate. So there we have it, I guess. We're back to the real fear, the finances, the employment, uh, the safety in the home, children's education versus imagined fear, catching the virus, which, as I've illustrated, uh, is unlikely to happen for many of us in this country. But the reality is if you're not fearing the virus, all of us are fearing something, real or imagined. And as I've said at the outset of this podcast and in previous podcasts, the outcome is the same. Real fear or imagined fear, your system will react in the same way. But I think it's really hard, it's incredibly hard when we are living under this collective consciousness of fear and anxiety that I keep referring to. Fear is almost always about uncertainty and I think that's particularly relevant in this situation. There is so much uncertainty around an end date to all of this and where we are all heading as we move forward. So much about what might happen is really unknown. So in all of this, what can we do? You know, I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't tell my clients. I don't tell anyone Um, You know, don't be anxious or don't be fearful. You know, that's that's impossible making statements like that Um, This is what people are feeling and we need to validate these fears But it is about management and it's about not letting fear and anxiety control your every waking moment and the decisions that you make So first and foremost As much as possible we need to live in the now and this is stuff that I've talked about in previous episodes during all of this Uh, living in the here and now in this moment trying to focus on uh, fully on what you were doing in the here and now rather than projecting yourself uh, into the future we can accept where we're at so as I've said in previous episodes, a lot of this is about acceptance, accepting where we're at and making peace with the present moment where we are at right now. And we must, above all else, try and gain perspective in all of this. Avoid sensationalized media. And I tend to say this every episode lately, um, just avoiding the constant and consistent, um, you know, bombardment, bombardment of the media. The media is just constantly saturating us all um, with um, you know images and, and information that's really difficult for us to digest and it just adds to our fear. So avoiding that as much as possible is vital and in that limit your social media intake. Um, A lot of what we see on social media is is just sensationalized news. And sometimes it's just people in the public just putting their opinions up, which can feed our anxiety as well. Stick to the facts and the stats. Um, You know, I've said to my clients for so long now before any of this, watch what you are allowing in because of what you allow in, um, in terms of what you see and what you hear will feed your thoughts. Um, So I think that's really vital and particularly relevant at this moment. If you are having fearful thoughts, worrying thoughts, you are just going to add to that fear and that worry um, by adding in sensationalized media. And I think on that note, also be mindful of what you share with others too. I think if you're sharing your fear and your anxiety with others, Uh, like I was talking about before, what we model to our children. Um, I think it's much more beneficial to share your calm uh, than your fear. As I keep saying, fear is far more contagious than this virus. Anxiety is contagious. Focus on your own backyard, your own community, your own country, and focus on and work with what you can control. So a lot of this is around feeling out of control. And when we feel out of control, that creates anxiety and fear. Work on taking a step back to look at your thoughts and what is going on in your thinking mind. And I know this one is really tough, even when we're not in a pandemic situation. If we can step back, as I always say to my clients, step back and be the gatekeeper. Um, This is really vital and this will assist you to move away from engaging in fearful and catastrophizing thinking. So just note when you are having those fearful thoughts. Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm engaging in fearful and catastrophizing thinking. Ask yourself, is this true? Is this likely to happen? And if you don't have the answer to that, then just let it go because worrying about it and catastrophizing over it won't give you the answer. And reassure yourself that we as a country are in a very, very fortunate position. We are safe. Our numbers low in terms of the coronavirus. Our mortality rate is low. Get real with the situation. Find ways to manage your fear. Name it. Separate it from yourself. As, As I said before, be that gatekeeper. You are not your fears. You have fears but you can learn to be in control of them. Find ways to add calm to your life. Calm can override fear. Simply breathe. Yes, simple breathing will lower the stress hormone cortisol. Meditate, walk daily, journal your thoughts and fears. And remember, and this is something I say over and over again, if you are anxious and fearful, you will be producing high levels of the stress hormone cortisol. And cortisol is fuel for your anxiety. So trying to get your cortisol levels down is vital. And the only way to do this is with calming activities to calm down your central nervous system. So if you can find ways to calm yourself, to engage in activities that help you to feel calm, this will lower your cortisol. And I think something that we really need to be aware of, this is something really important, that high levels of cortisol actually affect your immunity and as does poor sleep, So realistically speaking, if you want to be proactive in protecting yourself from the virus, focus on these factors. This is something you can control. Work on increasing your immunity. Work to reduce your stress levels. Get enough sleep and find your calm. And this will improve your immunity, as will things like a healthy diet and getting enough uh, fresh air and sunshine and exercise. But stress, you know, I don't think not many people realize that, that stress actually really impacts our immunity. And remember, of course, the principle of impermanence. This too shall pass. This storm will pass and there will be brighter days ahead. And if you are struggling, please seek support. A supportive ear will help you put things into perspective. Get on to um, one of the helplines or... Engage with your GP and get a referral to someone for counselling. A non-judgmental supportive person will assist you. They will give you strategies and ways to cope. So thanks for stopping by to listen to today's lengthy episode on fear and the panic-demic. I think that's um an interesting thing to call it, the panic-demic. And in saying that, I'm not minimising the situation, Um, You know, I do understand that this is a serious situation on some levels um, and that there are people out there at risk of um, contracting the virus and that it is serious for some people, but we do need to put things into perspective. So before I conclude, I just want to close by highlighting that it is very normal to feel fearful. I think everyone has felt fearful during the last month or so for one reason or another, whether your fear is real or whether it's imagined, it's still fear. But it's about perspective and it's really about how much we allow that fear to permeate and affect our daily lives. And it's also about how that fear makes us feel and and makes us respond So if you have learned something today or found it helpful, please feel free to share this episode with those around you. And don't forget uh, to check out my Mindful Monday um, meditation episodes. I will publish another episode this coming Monday. Uh, Thank you for listening. And if you are listening via a podcast that allows you to leave a review, please consider leaving a few kind, encouraging words and hitting those stars And until next time, may you have peace in your thoughts and your hearts and share it with others. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation, and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy-to-use features, including Daily Calm, a brand-new 10-minute meditation every day, 100-plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered calm music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counseling sessions, and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness, and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations, and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free, four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial. And just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of Calm Premium. You'll be feeling calm, relaxed, and at peace in no time You've been listening to The Mindful Life podcast with your host Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram. Under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.